Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is Central Texas Living with Ann Harder. Hello, everybody. I'm Ann Harder. Welcome to Central Texas Living, the podcast. We're on video today, and it's because it's a very special day. We are welcoming former U.S. Congressman Bill Flores and his beautiful wife, Gina, with us. It's our chance to kind of get an overview of his 10 years of service in Washington and then find out from Gina what it's like to have that very important supportive role as wife. So it's good to have you both here Thank with you. us. Retirement. What what do the days look like for you now? Awesome. Bill? <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about, you know, we're dressed up for another event that's, that's gonna happen right. later yeah. this evening. But and I, I said, you know, I can't remember when I had a dress and heels on. <laughs> it's been a while. So for you too, mostly Hawaiian shirts and shorts. And Hawaiian shirts, cargo pants, and uh, <laughs> usually uh, Croc shoes. So, except for yesterday, I mean, I had to put a suit on for the first time in quite a while. I'm, I'm uh, working on getting um, appointed to some corporate boards, and so I had to go to Houston yesterday for a couple of uh, meetings and interviews on that. Well, I, yeah, I'm wondering because uh, you've not totally retired from oh, no. a professional life. No. So so what does that all entail? For well, you? Uh, let me give you kind of an overview of what Bill 3.0 looks like because okay. we just finished the design work on that. It's It obviously involves more family time, yeah. more time with Gina, more time with our grandkids, and in particular, more time with my parents. Uh, we also, uh, I want to get involved in some of the not-for-profit activities in community, which I've kind of had to step away from for a while when I was in office. And then lastly, and from a professional standpoint, I'd like to get on two or three corporate boards to try to keep my ear to the, you know, basically be back in the private sector and try to add value to society. Of course, you're a successful businessman before you decided to run for Congress. Um, Gina, I, we had tried to uh, to get you on Central Texas Living, uh -huh. the TV show, right. when that was still going on at Channel 25, uh, because I really just wanted to pick your brain. You know, what's it like to be married to a congressman? I mean, I know your your days were filled, but also you were splitting time between D.C. Mm -hmm. and uh, the Bryan College Station area where y'all live. Right, exactly. Um, in, in Republican women, you get to log your hours that you uh, – that you use to serving uh, an, another person that's in office, oh, really? and uh huh, and so they report those to the state. And so I would always keep track of every hour that I spent on the road. And, a jillion, and I guess. For him, and it would be sometimes <laughs> over three hundred hours a quarter. Oh, wow. um, in in you know with twelve with twelve counties, you you can stay as busy uh, as you want to be. And so I would be on the road a lot for him. And then when I would go to DC, uh, it was it was it was fun. I would only go if there was a reason to go, if there was a banquet well, or something. I'm, yeah, I'm sure there were a lot of dressy um, events, and and those kind of those were a lot of fun. Uh, I'm a little bit more of an introvert though, so I would always tell him walking into a big group of people. I would tell him sometimes I just want to turn around and walk out because <laughs> it would be so many people that I yeah. didn't know. But um, you know, after a few years, you kind of get used to the routine of going back and forth. I only went about once a month. 
And uh, I'd have a routine when I'd get up in the morning. I'd walk down to the to the National Mall, and I'd walk down to the Capitol, and I'd walk back to the uh, Washington Monument, and I'd go in the back of Trump Tower, and I'd get a cup of coffee, and then I'd I'd go back to the apartment and then decide what I was going to do for the rest of the day. So um, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun, and it it was. Uh, um, we we will always joke and say that you know how did two kids from Stratford get to do this kind of thing? <laughs> so so you guys have known each other a long time. A High long school sweethearts? Time. No, no, no. Her, no. her parents wouldn't let me date her. My dad was the school superintendent, <laughs> and he he drove his mom's station wagon too fast and drank beer on the weekends. I was a fun yeah. fun loving Catholic boy. Didn't really sound that bad boy. anymore, but um, so daddy. Being the superintendent, knowing the kind of trouble he got into, didn't let me date him. So we didn't date until I was a junior in college. Okay. So we weren't high school sweethearts. Uh, okay, but maybe could have been. <laughs> if, could have been. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I dated his harder. best friend and his brother, but I couldn't date him. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, long marriage, though. 43 shall years. Shall we say? Yeah, well, years. congratulations. Thank That's you. um what kind of strains, though, did you feel you know, during this political service, you know, on your oh marriage, goodness. maybe? Were there any? <laughs> yes. I mean, do you well, agree politically on everything? Pretty, pretty much. much. Okay, pretty, well, and that's good. Pretty yeah. much, but there were times that I would call him and say, please, please don't vote. I'm going to be mad at you if you vote that way. And he would do it anyway, you know, and then come home and explain, you know, come home and explain to me like any other constituent why he voted the way he did. But uh, we didn't always agree. I would say we probably agreed 90, 99% of the time. No, most of the time. But there were times that we, we didn't always agree. And um, it's hard when your husband's in the, in the spotlight and under the microscope. And um, I learned to not read things on social media. It took me a couple of years to, to learn that. But I spent a lot of time wanting to fight somebody. But I... Well, yeah, I got, got to be very angry. You know, I, I, yeah, people I would, say what you, you know to be untruths. Well, and, and what always astonished me was, is that you would say, well, what would you do? You know, they always want to complain, but they don't offer a solution. So I would say, well, what, what, what would you suggest? And then they would usually deflect and say, well, I don't get paid the big bucks to make those decisions. <laughs> and I would say, but if you're going to complain, you've got to offer a solution. Right. You need to offer a solution. Yeah. And so that, that was the most frustrating thing to me was just to see the endless complaints, but no offers of, well, this is what I think you should do. So that was hard for me, but... I, I got better as the years went on at uh, being a little calmer about all of it, I think. Well, I think. and I know people contact their congressmen for issues. What What's one of the craziest things that anybody wanted you to handle? Can you think of something? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, the, the ones that were the, uh, the hardest to explain to some constituents, they want you to come, that, they'd ask you to do something that was outside of the scope of the federal government. So it was a state issue like property taxes or helping with a license plate or, uh, you know, you know, a, a state adoption, things like that. I mean, we had some some interesting requests. I'm not going to call any of them crazy because yeah, every time. Yeah, there were problems to them. Exactly. Every yeah. time a constituent called and they had an issue, we tried yeah. to, if we could, if it was outside the scope of our job as a federal uh, uh, representative, we would try to get them in touch with the right state or local person to deal with those issues. But we, yeah, we had some pretty interesting ones. And then of course, um, as with any population, you're gonna have some people that have some interesting ideas about things. And uh, and they uh, there are a lot of conspiracies I had to listen to over the years. Oh, you wondered but, if that tinfoil was out. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. I didn't so. say that, but yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I thought it sometimes. Well, it might be difficult for you to 
pick a highlight uh-huh. of your tenure in Washington, but you know, does anything come to mind or maybe a few things? Yes. Uh, let me say this from, um, I guess, from the standpoint of a couple of kids from Stratford, as Gina was saying before, the thing I still remember was uh, about 10 days after we were first elected in November of 2010, we were invited to go to Washington, as were all the freshmen, the incoming freshmen representatives. And we were part, uh, I was part of a class of 89 Republican freshmen, a great big class. And we had a dinner. We were taken to the Capitol in buses, and we were dropped off. It was a cold winter day, and you looked up, and the Capitol was, you know, lit up. And we went and had dinner in Statuary Hall. And I, you, you, that was the old house chamber. And if you think about the decisions that had to be made there, from ending of slavery to uh, the discussions about the Civil War to the, the, the setting up our government initially back in, in 1789, it was just it, it was just a very emotional and humbling experience. So that's you know from that standpoint, the emotional side. In terms of things that we were able to do, uh, you can break them into several pieces. Now I'm not going to go through all of them, but you can do sort of national macro impact, Texas impact, district impact, McLennan County, Waco, so forth. Um, let's start close to home. If you think about the explosion that happened in West. Um, initially, uh, President Obama didn't want to have FEMA respond to help the community out. I mean, he wanted to help with the um, the impact of the disaster in terms of let's get the uh, let, let's try to get if there's anybody buried in rubble, get them out. That's right. kind of stuff, and and that that was done pretty quickly. That was mostly done by our local first responders. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of you know long term help, how do we rebuild the community? He didn't want to help. And so we led the effort of working with uh, Senator Cornyn and Senator Hutchison uh, and got every Democrat and every Republican to sign on to put pressure on the president to respond. And he did. And if you look at the community of West now, you take the main thing that was that helped that community respond, which was the people of West, and you add it with the local support that came from McLennan County's leadership, which was awesome through that, and then the federal help that just helped bring it all together, and you look at West Down, it's incredible. Yeah, so many houses were damaged, though. Oh, yeah, I mean, the water system was damaged. had to be rebuilt. I mean, there was that nursing home, and there was was so much damage. Right, right, and and I remember uh, going and walking the streets, and I'd get in the mayor's old, he has an old Ford pickup, and we'd drive the streets, and he would call me every couple of years say, I want you to come back because I want to retrace that same route and show you what we've been able to do. And so, again, the combination of the community plus the local leadership here in McLennan County plus the federal support has really, I think, changed a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of the close to home. If I look at the, the biggest thing that I think we were able to affect on a national scale was to uh, help lift the, the uh, restriction on the export of U.S. oil and gas. So we were... Uh, there, there was another Texas congressperson that had this uh, uh, as his objective for a long time, and he had done quite a lot, but he was sort of hitting a roadblock. And so Speaker Boehner came to me and said, can you help us get it across the finish line? And um, so I was, I was part of that effort. And if you think about the impact that's been on the U.S. economy and U.S. energy dominance and Texas as a whole, it, it was incredible. To show you how the free market works, the... 
uh, President Obama signed that legislation one day in December, and the first cargo of U.S. crude left to head to Europe 18 days later from Corpus Christi. So it was ready to go. It was ready to go. The, the, the American industry and American capitalistic system was ready to respond to that, and it's created tens of thousands of jobs in this country by being able to open up new markets for U.S. exploration and production. Gina, for you, highlight you can think of? Well, we, we, we got to do a lot of travel. Mm-hmm. And um, and people think, well, you just get on a, a plane and you go and you just have a, a lot of fun. But they were all working trips yeah. and you come back really exhausted. And I, I remember that we, uh, we, we got to go to, to uh, China as part of a bipartisan group. And we, of course, we didn't meet with Xi Jinping, but we got to meet with the number two, number three, and number four person in the country. And there again, to sit in, uh, you, you know, with, with, with the people there and, and be able to, of course, we, we sat on the back row, the, the members sat in front and the spouses sat behind, but to be able to sit there and listen to the things that are going on in the world, um, again, you just have to pinch yourself a little bit and think, yes, I, this can't, happening. I can't believe that I'm in China across the street from the Forbidden City and um, we're, we're able to meet with all of these people and tell them, you know, some of the things that are, are on our mind. And they told us what was on their mind as well. Yeah. So, but that, that was always really, really fun. We got to, Bill was on the House Democracy uh, Committee. And so we got to go to several different countries around the world that had budding democracies. And we got to visit with them um, about, and they were in various stages of, of their democracies. And it was fun to go to some of those countries and visit with them about what was going on in their country at the time. And so th- those were really, uh, those are just things that you you would never dream that you could do in a lifetime. And I think I probably went to, we figured it up one time, 20, 20-something countries. Wow. Bill's been to a lot more than that, but I got to go with him to 20, I think 29 countries. So that was that was always a real treat to get to go and rep- represent the United States. Yeah, yeah, I can see you saying you just pinch yourself. Yeah. Any low lights? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, uh, lots of low lights. Um, the, of course, I wasn't in office at the time, but on January sixth, when the Capitol was stormed, yeah, I felt like right. that was a, a low light in the history of our country, history of our republic. Um, the other two things: the lack of um, desire of the two parties to work together. Yeah. I think we've talked about that before is destructive. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Republicans would like to fight each other a lot, I thought was destructive. Um, it seemed like there was always a constant quest for the perfect piece of legislation, and there's nothing in life that's perfect. And so perfect became the enemy of the Isn't good. Isn't politics really the art of compromise? Yes. <sighs> and, that, and see, that, that's unfortunate because people think that compromise is a bad word. And it's not. If you can get 80% of something... It's a lot better than dis, than us insisting on 100% and getting zero. Yeah. And so every time that um, my part of the my side of the aisle would fight among itself in the house, uh, we would typically wind up with a worse solution than we would have had had we been had we could all agree uh, together on being more reasonable. And so, and I think the American people suffered because. Republicans were fighting. The American people certainly suffer because the two parties won't talk to each other. And I think that what you see in Washington today is what you is a reflection of what you see in society. Um, you know, you've heard me tell the story before. When I first started running for office back in, in late 2009, uh, somebody would 
write something nasty about me on social media. And I would see them face to face and we could have a mature and cordial and friendly conversation. We'd disagree, but it was friendly. But today, what you the behavior you see in social media is morphed over into what we have in terms of interpersonal relationships. And so, I mean, and, and you, you see it all the time. I mean, you saw it happen in Washington on the 6th where uh, people act out the same way in person. I mean, we become chorus as a society instead of being finding a way to work together. And I think that we as a country are going to have to have some sort of a, what I call a significant emotional event to cause us to break down those barriers and come back together. And uh, we need to find a way to work together on what we agree on and then figure out how we can come back to work on what we disagree upon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gina? Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. I think just the lack of civility mm-hmm. uh, between Republicans and Democrats and then uh, between Republicans as well. Um, I think everybody's going to have to, like Bill said, there needs to be a reset. We've got to learn to, we've got to find a way to learn to get along and, and have our differences without that bleeding over into relationships with one another. And I don't, I don't know how we do, I don't know how we do that, but um, that's something that bothers me. I think to me, a a low, a low would have been when we, we weren't able to uh, repeal Obamacare. Um, I think sometimes, um, constituents forget that Bill's one of counting the Senate and Congress 535. Yeah. And they wanted him single-handedly to to be sure that Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act got um, taken back. And and he, he tried, but he's only one. And um, I still think we have some in our own party that that are mad at him because he didn't get he didn't get that repealed. And um, that that bothers me a little bit that that people don't really understand the way it works. I always wanted to say, what did you want him to What did you want him to do? <laughs> um, specifically, as one person to get it repealed because you know he voted every time to do it, but but because he's only one, it's it's impossible. But some people have a hard time understanding that, and that was that was hard for me when he would get the criticism for that because there really was one vote was was all we all he ever we. He ever had. Right. So, it was we. Right. It was it was we. Yeah, it's true. All right. Well, Gina when, and the other seven hundred thousand constituents in the district. So, and me. <laughs> well, I always say we because I tell people this job is like being married to a pastor. Yeah. I would think so. You yeah. you have to. We we've seen a lot of marriages, unfortunately, in D.C. break up because yeah. I don't think they and the the couples understood what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I think you've got to have total buy in with the spouse, whether it's a it's a husband that's a spouse or a wife, um, because otherwise it's going to be really hard. Because there are times, a lot of times, where his job has to come first, and um, I think you have to you have to have a buy-in that we're going to get through it. We're going to we're going to be united front uh, when we're in public, and we can discuss it when we get home. <laughs> but um, but it really is. I tell people it's like being married to a pastor. Well, when we come back, we are going to uh, delve a little more deeply into what you guys think about different things. So stay with us.
Uh-oh. back again. <laughs> back again. <laughs> what advice do you have for your successor, Congressman Sessions? Uh, my advice is to um, listen to the constituents and to um, always remember that uh, it takes a team in Washington to get anything done. Uh, you see a lot of people on Fox News that get up there and they say, I, 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 I can do this, I can do that, and or we can do this. But they, they have to remember that we is at least 218 votes. And sometimes we means that you have to reach across the aisle and talk to somebody on the other side of the aisle. And um, so just uh, work as a team, uh, listen to constituents, and you know, stay close to the Constitution and you'll never go wrong. Anything happened during Bill's tenure in office that, that you thought, man, you know, this is just is, is over the top. This is just something I can't. Uh, I can't think of anything well, off the you, top of my head. You did head. tell me you you kind of got burned by a reporter once. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm, okay, I'm, yes. asking, I'm asking selfishly because you okay. said this is your first interview you've done. And since it was either, was it 2011 or 2012? I can't remember when ago. that was. Yeah, it was early very, on. very early, early on, on. In, in Bill's, in Bill's uh, tenure. And I uh, came to, to Waco because um, the Tea Party was bringing letters that they wanted Bill to take to President Obama. Is that is that right? I think so. Okay, yeah. and so, so the, the right. several different media outlets were there, and they filmed, and they they asked me for a comment at the end of the uh, uh, of the time that we were together, and so I gave them one. And um, that night, naively, I watched the news, and I realized that it had been edited to look like the Tea Party was upset with him, and they were bringing letters to be given to Bill instead of to President Obama, and so I just kind of made a promise to myself that I would I would never make any comments to the media again. And today's the first time in <laughs> 10 years, almost 10 years that I have, have talked to anybody because I was so taken aback that it was yeah. edited that way. And I didn't ever want to, my, what I said wasn't taken out of context, but I never wanted it to ever be that way. So I just made a decision never to, never to make a comment to the media. And it probably, since I kind of want to fight people sometimes over no, over really? different things, it's probably better that I made that promise to myself not to do it. Let me tell you about another promise you okay. made. Or oh, let no. me say it's a promise that I made that, that uh, we ultimately revoked. When we were going through the discussion about whether or not to run at all, Gina, you know, signed off. She said, but I never want to have to make a speech. Oh, oh gosh. And uh, she has made a lot of speeches. And say, she has won a lot of fans. I'm uh, sure she has. Because, we, we, you know, eventually we got to the point where there just weren't enough of us. I mean, you'd have all of your district staff out running, doing things. And so Jean said, okay, I'll do it. And uh, the audiences loved her. Yeah. She was well, great. I don't know about that. But when you have 12 counties, yeah. it's hard. We didn't have 12 people between our three offices at the time to be able to, to all go out and, you know, be, be in the, in the spotlight. So, you know, I agreed to do that. And, you know, talking about the advice you would give to, to Congressman Sessions, I would, I would just advise him. It's, it's hard when you have 12 counties, he had one before, and I would just uh, encourage him to really learn the district because it's a very diverse district. It's, it is. it's, it's got urban areas. It's got agricultural yeah. areas, uh, large communities, small communities, and that would be my advice to him is it's just very different from his last district. So just be sure that you get to know the people in yeah, the district. 
and they're great people. No, he he's been in there before, so some of those ropes he's already mm-hmm. he, he right. already knows for sure. Uh, what about? I mean, I presume he's married. I don't know uh, mm. his spouse. Yeah. Yes, Karen. Yeah. Yes, they um they uh have a place here and they have a place in Florida and I don't I don't know uh, an, about in DC, uh-huh. um but I know he's spending a lot of time in the district and um. I would just encourage him to get to know the people because they're great people. Oh, well, I, I would have to agree with you there for sure. Well, I like to end these visits with a questionnaire. It's similar to the one that uh, the late James Lipton would ask on Inside the Actor's Studio. I don't know if that TV show means anything to you or not, but it's a, it's a, it's a sort of a question. It's just very, it's very simple. It's okay, but I'm going to ask the, each one of you. Okay, Bill, what is your favorite word? Teamwork. Yeah, I would think as a running campaigns and so forth is crucial that you have people you can count on and trust and mm-hmm. work together. Well, the the key to success in this job is teamwork. And um, I guess my other uh, favorite word would be two words, selfless servant. If you really want to do this job right, you're going to listen, you're going to work together as a team, and you're going to remember that you serve them. The, the almost 850,000 people that I've represented in this district, um, I've worked for them, and a lot of Congress critters forget that, and they think that they are the center of the universe. And I've worked with more narcissists per capita up there than anywhere in the world, and and it, it was ugly. And if, if everybody would just remember, you put your pants on the same way every day, your skirt or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, and that you're no better, no worse than anybody else. I think I think if, if Washington worked that way, our country would be a lot better off today. Gina, you have a favorite word? Well, the first word that came to my mind, especially when it relates to this job, is integrity. If you can have integrity, then you're going to be able to do all the things that he he just said. And I think you always were a proponent of term limits, right? I was. I st- and, well, I am. Uh, yeah. I was and am. And, it, and I and lived you, it. And, and you did. And uh-huh. you have lived it because, I mean, you're young-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and certainly could have Ish. gone on. Some, still you know, immature. You're still very, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you, you kept that you kept that promise I for did. sure. Um, what is your least favorite word? Um narcissism yeah and again the reason i say that um narcissism kills washington it it kills good public policy um narcissists don't work with each other narcissists don't talk to each other um narcissists look in the mirror and they see somebody totally different than the way the rest of the world sees them and so narcissism is destructive and it is, uh, if it's unchecked, it's going to be fatal to our republic and to our democracy. Hmm. I can tell we've been married a long time. Yeah. Um, and have lived this together for 10 years. I would say uh, hypocritical. You know, people that are hypocritical, again, are going to wind up with the same kind of issues because they're going to say one thing, but they're going to do something else. And people see that. People, people see whether you're genuine or not. So I would say my least favorite is uh, hypocritical. So, Bill, what turns you on creatively, emotionally, or spiritually? And the answer is going to sound strange. 
I love to fly. I'm a pilot, so yeah. Um, and I, I heard you got another plane, and no, you were all over Facebook saying you weren't sure Gina was going to be on board with that. Or that's part of my campaign. I haven't, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't won a battle on that one yet. But, yeah, I was wondering about uh, that. The status anyway, of that plane you were looking at. The um, and I, I know that sounds like a weird answer, but I love to fly, mm-hmm. and when you're up in the air at 25,000 feet and you're just buzzing along I and it's it's a let's say you're in a part of the country where there's not a lot of other air traffic and so you don't hear the controllers talking much it's almost like you're at one with God and you get to look at out at all this handiwork down below you and the handiwork above you and it's just like so flying is where I it is the thing that that drives me and it's the thing where I feel like I'm most um, attached to what God has done uh, for this world. Very neat. What about you, Gina? Well, you'll relate to this, grandchildren. Oh, yeah. Um, all of our grandchildren have come since Bill's been in office. Mm-hmm. And when when Britton was born, she was born 10 years ago last week. Yeah. And I told him after she was born, I said, okay, I love you, and I'm going to support you in your job, but I, I'm going to go see the baby. And <laughs> I've pretty much gone to see them every month for the, for the last 10 years because I can only be away for about – Four weeks and my heart can't stand it. So I get that. <laughs> what turns you off in creatively or spiritually or emotionally? Mm. What turns me off? Why don't you go to Gita on that one? Oh, Give geez. me a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what turns me off? I guess what turns me off this this again probably sounds kind of nutty too, is I'm very I'm very organized. And I can get really overwhelmed with a long to-do list. Um, and so uh, I think for me, having more things to do in a day than I can handle is a real turnoff to me. And I, and I had a lot of that for the last 10 years. And so bet you have, it's, yeah. been, it's been a little bit nice to, at least with the long list of things now, it's things that I, that I kind of want to do. But um, that's, that's just kind of the first thing that came to my mind is just uh, having too much to do in a day is really hard for me. My answer is social media it turns me off. Um, I, first of all, I think from a, a societal standpoint, it has damaged us as a society. I mean, if you read the, I mean, if you watch the, the, uh, the documentary called The Social Dilemma. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and scary. I know a lot of people, it is. that is scary. Uh, if you think about the amount of power, the amount of influence that it has over people, I think about the impact that it has on teenagers. And the pressure that it's put on teenagers and the increase in suicide that's happened because of that. I think of the time sink that it is. I think of how much time people spend and they get hooked into it. I know that um, on January the 3rd, I had three Facebook accounts, three Twitter accounts, and I had an Instagram account. I turned all of them off. Did you? I did. I killed all of them except my personal Facebook. And you don't see me post anything nasty on it. I just post, oh, no. post just, about my desires for airplanes. Yes, you know. <laughs> that's and where then, I saw that. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, you know, I, I posted things in the lead up to Christmas, yeah. you know, the light and fluffy stuff. And yeah. then we had, to me, that's what it's for. Yeah. That and to have a birthday, you feel so celebrated. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All these people wish you happy birthday. Yeah, so. I wish you happy birthday. Yeah, I know you did. I know you did. I wish you a happy birthday. You did. So, I mean, that's kind of what it's it's a connection. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it definitely has a very, very dark side. It does. And it's amazing how quickly 
you can you can post something that you think is fairly lighthearted. It's oh, amazing yeah. how it can be taken to the dark side oh, I know. right I, away. And you think, how in four or five comments did, did did it work itself to from what I meant to this? Yeah. And that's that's very disheartening to me. So yeah. that was a good answer, Bill. Yours better than mine. What is your favorite sound? Gina, I'm gonna go to you. What sound do you love <laughs> the most? Other than the grandkids laughing and running down the stairs in the morning. Um, I love early in the morning when the sun's just starting to come up and you can hear the the sounds every morning of the the birds and uh, and the the breeze through through the trees. I mean, just there's something about that early morning calmness and sounds that I really, I like. And because I've become more of a morning person, I hear those more than I used to. Yeah, you say you've you've switched. We switched a little bit. We really yeah. have. It's kind of interesting. Well, I'm yeah. trying to get back to a more normal schedule. I did. Yeah. So. Okay. Your favorite sound? Uh, well, here we are in the middle of uh, Waco, and it's the Aggie band playing the Spirit of Aggie Land. Whoop! I've even got my maroon dress on today. <laughs> you do have your maroon dress on. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. No, I I, I get that too. Well, uh, what, look, I've got a green tie for today. And you, you though, do so, have a green so. tie to be here in Waco. So, be, what is your what is your least favorite sound? My least favorite sound. People fighting. Oh my People gosh. Arguing. Me yeah. too. I don't like it. Conflict, I don't yeah. like conflict. I don't. Well, I don't mind conflict if it's constructive. <laughs> I, I don't mind conflict if it's constructive. Yeah. But I'm the same way. I, I don't like it when people raise their voices and fight with one another, yeah. and the, especially when nothing gets resolved. Yeah. Right. Um, what other profession would you have liked to try? In other words, just clean slate. Uh, I made a decision when I was a senior in college to not take an Air Force commission, and I wish I had done that. Uh, I had the opportunity, but the Air Force said that there was going to be a wait because they were long on pilots after Vietnam. And um, I watched what some of my other friends did when they went in the Air Force, and I thought I should, you know, if I, I should have been willing to wait 18 months to, so I could go in and serve our country. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have served it this way for 10 years, but it's not the same, certainly, as serving in the Air Force. I wish I could have done that. Mm-hmm. I would, probably would have made it a career. Maybe uh, my roommate... Jimmy Jackson for my sophomore year became a general. I thought if Jimmy could do it, I could do it. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. So. <laughs> I don't even know him. <laughs> He's a great Trust guy. Trust me. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is, General. Um, so what about you? Anything you would have liked to have done? Well, my parents were both uh, in education, and so I always wanted to do that. My brother and sister and I are all uh, educators, but I, I always kind of wanted to be a nurse. But but as I got older and I realized the math and science that that was going to take, I don't think I probably I probably would would been able to do it. But I always wanted to be a flight attendant too, and I still think that would would be fun. Um, but really, I really always wanted to be a teacher, and that's what I did for mm-hmm. almost twenty years. Oh, that's good. What profession do you know you would not want to do? I wouldn't want to be an engineer. Oh, I'd love to. I mean, I'm a part-time engineer now, I think. So, I mean, I don't know if you read my post about fixing this, the inverters on my solar system, but what would <laughs> I, I apologize to, to Facebook Land for all of his posts about the solar <laughs> stuff. What would I not want to do? Um, goodness. Uh, I'm almost game to try anything. Uh, I would say this. I wouldn't want to be a Republican president today because the, the media is so hard on you. And the uh, left is so hard on you. Um, 
I don't know. I, I don't know that there's anything I wouldn't do. I mean, I've done. I started working when I was nine years old, and and I was helping to push cattle into a dipping vat, and and I worked in for branding crews and driven tractors and fixed fence, and so yeah. probably nothing I wouldn't try once. I've always said Bill's kind of a renaissance man. That he yeah he, he's a in his personality type is he's a learner. And he's always, if somebody comes up with a new topic, he's right on his computer trying to learn as much as he can about it. He was that way in the oil and gas business. He early on would go and visit with the geologists and the people that took the overnight reports to learn the whole business. And I understand that about him now, but um, I don't think we've ever had anything at home that he couldn't fix ever. That's good. I mean, he's just really, he knows a lot or a little bit about a lot. It's always good to have a man around that's handy. I don't like to do sheet. I don't like to do sheetrock though. <laughs> you won't. Or you draw, draw the line. <laughs> that's right. No sheetrocking. It's no wallpaper. some of that construction stuff. <laughs> well, one last question: What do you want to hear God say to you as you arrive at the pearly gates? Well done, good and faithful servant. Same. Yeah. Well, you have been a, an amazing public servant for us. Thank you in this district and we thank you so much bill flores gina flores thank you so much for your time it's thank been you, a delight yeah. having you here it has thank been you fun. so much all the best in retirement thank you thanks this has been a rogue media podcast <laughs> <laughs>